Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Living Courageously Exposed, hosted by Big Inside Out Adventures and yours truly, Jennifer J. Saunders, my friend, Tommy J. Today I am so excited to have with me a woman who I met a couple months ago, again via just a random phone call, and she took my call, and I was so intrigued and thrilled by the conversation that ensued and, and the beautiful story that Cornetta Whitfield has to share. Uh, Cornetta, is that how you pronounce your name? I should have asked you. No, Cornetta. Cornetta, that's fine. Cornetta. Okay. Cornetta Whitfield. She is a native of Jamaica, the founder of Speak Life Foundation, a motivational speaker, a twin miscarriage survivor, and the wife to an amazing husband. Now, I really think you guys are going to love listening to her story today. It's one of... um, a loss and pain and yet at the same time there's so much beauty that comes from the story and where her and her husband are today and um anything anything else you want us to know about you before we get into this no i think you covered it all <laughs> covered it all now you guys can't see her but Cornelia is a beautiful beautiful woman and i'm just telling you oh just say thank you her hair <laughs> i've been just like oogling over her hair it's gorgeous <laughs> thank you thank you we'll, we'll put a picture on on the on our page or something but um before we get going i just have to like spill the beans on something really cool that her and her husband what is your husband's name so my husband' name is Brandon Whitfield. Brandon. So Brandon and Cornita have some of the coolest news coming. They're going to get a special Valentine's package by way of a baby boy. Woo! I'm so excited. Oh, now, my goodness. Cornita, tell us what you're going to name this little guy. So we've decided to name our little one Carter Hugh Whitfield. Um, Carter means carrier of goods someone who's carrying something and carrying something great within them. And I believe that um, the one that I'm carrying that God has blessed me with, he's coming with a lot of joy and a lot of different um, expectations that we know that's going to just fill our home. And uh, Hugh is my dad's middle name. And so my dad has all girls. (laughs) And so honoring him with uh, my firstborn son being uh, given his, his middle name has just been a joy for my husband and I to do. And of course, Whitfield, Bill is my husband, so we pass on that last name, and we're pretty excited about doing that. That is so cool. Carter Hugh Whitfield. I cannot wait to um, help welcome this little one into the world, especially after the story that you'll share with us here in a little bit of yes, how you know how he has come to be and, and the beautiful family that he is now going to be welcomed into. Yes. Before we get into that, one thing I'd like to ask our, our interviewees is tell us a little bit about you as a younger child like what was what was Cornelia like as a you know five six seven year old so growing up I grew up in the country of Jamaica and I grew up in a single um, parent home and so even though my dad was a part of my life he was not in the home with my mother and um, so I grew up knowing what it means to work hard at just being able to pursue your dreams, being able to carry a family, um, and just trying to do both of that at the same time. My um, grandmother raised me uh, because my mom had to work all the time and uh, to provide for the home with my brother and I. And so for me, growing up was kind of fast. You know, I kind of had to learn things very quickly. I kind of had to be exposed to the world a little bit quick, a little bit, um, a little bit faster than the normal person who has the mother and father in the home that's loving on them and doing everything that's necessary. And you're just trying to be a child. Um, I didn't really get that opportunity. Um, But what I can say is that with um, learning all those different things growing up, I understood what it means to put in the work to become who you're supposed to be. But I know I remember there were times that my grandmother would allow me to go outside and play with the kids and we'll just run around and run because we didn't have much because I grew up in a very poor community. We didn't have much. So the fun games for us was literally saying, I'll race you from here to there to see who is faster, right? And so we always think, how is it that Jamaicans are so fast? It's because all we do is run. Like, that's (laughs) all we got. Like You know, so um, I just remember growing up and just kind of looking at my family and saying, I want more. Right. Um, And what kind of work did your mom do? So my mother was a teacher. So in the country of Jamaica, uh, the most uh, valuable profession is a teacher. 
And um, so she was a teacher uh, from like first grade, second grade, um, elementary school. Um, and she was always pursuing her dream. She never finished um, high school, but there's ways that in, in, in Jamaica that you can still pursue like a certificate type of thing and to continue to teach. So you wouldn't be able to teach like in the city where it's like more, you know, a lot of educate where the education is much better, but it's more like in the country areas where the kids don't have much. So they're willing to give you that certificate to kind of help them along the way. Right. Um, and so that's what she did. That's really neat. So let me ask you this question and um, a little bit in my, in my own ignorance of just what I think countries may be like without having visited them. So Again, asking you a question just out of what may be my little bit of ignorance of not knowing lots of countries, although I have been to, you know, 10 or 11. Um, I've not been to Jamaica. And, you know, my view of it is I know it's on it's on my list. <laughs> so I'm going there someday. And now yes. I know you. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> um, you know, education in some of the more rural places is really a challenge for kids to get to because they've got to work to help provide for the families it's not something that's really pushed or present and especially for girls yes is that that true for jamaica in places that you know it to be was it true for you i will say that it is um i will say that education is something that is so valuable but it's not given to everyone or every country in the um equality that it should you know, um, where I grew up from, it's because it's the countryside where it's very, very, I mean, it's miles and miles and miles before you reach to the next uh, city or the next place, or you have to take taxi, but you can't catch the taxi until you have actually walked miles to get it because the taxi don't go that far. And and so the education that is given, even though it should be given at the level that they are taught when they do go into the city, when they come back, because of the fact that we don't understand it, and it's so much easier to just kind of uh, talk where you are or speak where you are instead of trying to elevate, um, a lot of times we miss the opportunity to actually grow. So it's not like um, in Africa and those areas where uh, women aren't able to go to school or but now they're changing that. But in our sense, it's more of that we don't have the resources to be able to do that. So even if you do go to school, the likelihood of you actually even increase it in your knowledge is pretty slim to none. For me, I take from my story. When I came to America, I did not know how to read. I did not know my name was Cornita. I always went by my nickname, Jilly. So it was just small things like that where you're just like, you know, you're you're so you're in a place where you're like um, not given the opportunity to know more that you kind of just hold on to the little bit that you have. But no, I struggled with literacy for a very long time when I came to America because I didn't know how to read because I, did, I was not exposed to that type of um, education. And so, so for me, education is huge. Right. How old were you when you came to the United States? I traveled here when I was eight. Okay. So you still were pretty young. Yeah. I learned when I learned to really read and know what I'm talking about, uh, about 10, 11. Um, I was placed in ESL, English as a second language. Can you believe it? <laughs> Even though Jamaica is broken English. Right. Um English as a second language, and um, that's where I really thrived on uh, learning the American English so that I can actually, you know, strive to be better right. in this country. Cool. Wow, that's really cool. And I love that you have the confidence in your story and you say, this is the way it was, and this time. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I love my uh, story. <laughs> and we, we should. We should. Yeah. Um, so being in those circumstances where uh, I would guess you don't even know, it's one of those you don't know what you don't know. Um, how does one get out of those circumstances? Like what, why did you, what was the impetus to come to America? How would other kids have that? You said you had this feeling that you knew there was more. And I would imagine there were other people who felt that way. Um, How do you make that happen? See, it's so hard, I would say, Jennifer, because um, not everybody have that mentality to strive for more. And if they do have that mentality, they, not everybody have, let me take that back. Not, not that everybody doesn't have the mentality. Not everybody have the surrounding, the support group that would help you to reach for more. That's really what it is. And um, I believe that the, one of the ways that I was able to overcome where I was is because there were people that were exposed to it that saw potential in me. And I say that because um, 
And uh, she looked at me, even in my state where I was ashy knees and little girl and, you know, my hair was little pigtails. And she looked at my dad and said that if she could come to America, she would be great. There is so much potential in her. And that's one of the reasons why that when I speak, I talk to individuals about igniting the extinctive potential that you have inside of you because someone saw it in me. I believe that um, when you can get into an area or get into a place where individuals can see that potential in you, that's how you can be able to overcome and come out of that. Um, we cannot do it on our own. I don't care how much you want to. I don't care how much you believe that there is more. You have to be able to connect with somebody that's help, that's willing to help you reach there. And so for me, it was having that person that was exposed to all this amazing things in America. And I'm not saying that someone who isn't in America or someone who's in another country can't be somebody that's there because it could be wherever you are. My story just happened to be someone that was overseas. Um, but it's just connecting to individuals and understanding that they too can see the more in you. I did not know how I was going to get out. I never dreamt of being in America. I never knew what America was. In my country, we called it the land of milk and honey. And that's all we know it to be. We call it foreign because that means that it's different than where we are. And, um, and so there was no uh, idea or thought of how I was going to get there. I just knew that I wanted more. And I think sometimes uh, we don't realize that when we think about certain things, we draw that to us. Right. right. So it's that, you know, it's that they call it the secret, that law of attraction, right? right? Um, the, the things that you think about, the things that you desire, it gravitates towards you, right? And so I believe that just as a little girl growing up and asking, where is the more? Like, what what more is there? There has to be something more. And somehow that just kind of uh, drew that. And I would just we'll say that the universe kind of pulled that together. And there I was just in the perfect place at the perfect time for someone to see potential in me. And that's my desire is to show others that the potential that I had to be great lies in them just the same. And I'm willing to be that person to help them get there. I love that. That's uh, you're speaking a little bit of my story as well as oh. my, my purpose on this planet is, uh, you know, I, I uh, obviously didn't come from Jamaica, but, uh, you know, I have you sure, Jennifer. I, I wonder, <laughs> sometimes, you know, I wonder, get the accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I too had situations where I, I felt more and I knew there was so much more in me and for me and I didn't know how it was going to happen. But there were those few people who could see what I couldn't see. And, you know, I'm so grateful for those people and the little bits of encouragement that they shared. And yes. just that belief in me just kept that little spark, you know, going enough that when it was time, it could fan, you know, into a bigger flame. So, yeah, I hear you. And, and don't you think that, uh, you know, there's plenty of that in our own country, people who are in circumstances that they just are unsure how to get out of. Like we don't necessarily have to go to other countries to experience or see the story that you just shared. It's right here. And, yeah. And we can help our very own people. Yes. So I love, I love that part of your story. So, okay. So eight years old, you're, you're now in the, in the United States. You said you got into a ESL program, learning to read at age 10 or 11. Um, thanks to these people who saw in you. Yes. You like the amazing yes. you and started bringing that out. You So tell us about uh, a little bit just about like high school and college. Like what was that like for you as you started to see yourself? So high school and college, um, high school for me was pretty incredible. Um, for me, because education was so important coming from an area or coming from a part in my life where I didn't have that access, I understood that um, excelling where I was was very important. Taking every opportunity was very important. So for me, um, I went from being illiterate and being from having unsatisfactory um, scores in school to be an honor roll student and top of the line and uh, an athlete and ran track and field. Um, it's all I that running you did, huh? Yes, yes. So I, I wasn't like all the way popular, popular, but I was a little bit up there, you know, with being an athlete and being a smart girl. Right. Um, it earned me some friends, right? And everybody want friends in high school. <laughs> uh, yeah. For me, high school was just an awesome time just 
just to excel. And my dad was very big on getting an education, going to college, a degree, um, and just excelling in life. He didn't believe that we came here and um, we were just going to sit around and do nothing, but we we're going to take every advantage of any opportunity for education that we could. And um, I ran track and field at UConn, not because I was the fastest, but because I had potential. Uh, because someone saw something in me that they knew that if they work on, if they can bring me into that atmosphere, I would be my co a two-time Olympian Clive Terry Long um, really just kind of brought me on his team. And even on there, I earned captain and did amazing things that I never thought that I would do. I know you used to probably look at me like, you think he's going to be great? But a lot of times we really don't understand how great we're going to be or the impact that we will have. Um, again, there's that mentor. There's that person that sees greatness in you and, and is not afraid. And this is really what it is, Jennifer, is not afraid to say, listen to me, I'm I'm great, but you're just as good, and let me help you get there. Right. And I find that in our world, a lot of people they get to where they are, and they're so engulfed in their in their pursuit and their happiness that they don't realize that there is somebody else that is waiting for you to technically kind of put your hand down and say, "I see you. How can I help you?" That part right there is so beautiful. I see you. Let me help you up to this next stage. Yes, yes. And so I do a lot of mentoring. I love mentoring. Uh, That's one of the aspects of Speak Life is um, not only am I a motivational speaker and not only am I one-on-one life coach, um, but I do mentoring. And so a lot of times I have young ladies and I'll take them underneath my wings for a year and I'll have them do hands-on, one-on-one, follow me, live my life. How did I get here? I'm going to show you um, how I got here and how you could even be better. Because that's really what it is. It's taking that person as a slingshot and just kind of propelling them and saying, listen to me, I know I'm great, but I want you to be successful and even more successful than I am. I love, love, love that. And I would like to be mentored under your wing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take applications, but I think you already got it. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Um, speaking of mentors, there's a lot of different definitions of what a mentor is. In your opinion, how do you define mentor? It's an opportunity to um, engage with someone and learn from each other. I know a lot of times we say that when I'm mentoring you, I'm pouring into you. Um, But really, it's it's an exchange. Um, As you mentor, as I mentor you, and as you're my mentee, there are things that you have that I believe that you can still teach me. There are things that I have that I can teach you. So I really think that mentoring really is an exchange um, of just ideas and, and, and perceptions and, and concepts and, and how we can get better from this. Because if I'm mentoring you and, not, and I'm not growing from the circumstance or growing from the relationship, then that's an issue. Because it really shouldn't be a give, 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 because then you become empty. It really should be an exchange. Right. Well, and I, I love that idea of it's an exchange. Because I think as the mentor, you, that means that you're not closed off. doesn't mean you're the, you know, I've learned everything I can learn and, and you still have an open heart. And yes. I love that aspect of it. So I really appreciate you bringing that out, that it is an exchange. I like to ask this question sometimes because uh, in the coaching world, you know, we mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm a mentor and it's going to cost you $80,000 to mentor with me. <laughs> you know, my philosophy is that when you're mentoring somebody, it is that I'm taking you under my wing. I'm going to teach you because I see the value and the potential in you. Yes. Um, versus a coach who then, you know, you can pay. So um, I yeah. that, that explanation. Um, tell us about, tell us about uh, one of your favorite mentors or someone who, a mentor who really had an impact on you that's helped you get where you are today. So I've had quite a bit over the years, I will say. I, I will say that I have been privileged to have multiple, Uh, But one of the ones that I can definitely give credit to a lot of things that have um, been placed, um, a lot of things that have happened in my life is my coach. Um, Being at college and having um, Clive Terry Long being a part of my everyday life for the last, for the five years of my life, he had the opportunity to speak into me. He called it the wise man said, but we really knew that it was him. And what he did was, even though that we were there for track and field, even though we were there to, um, give the, the university a, a good name or or to win championships. He was really about life lessons. And that's who the wise man was. The wise man always had wise le- um, life lessons that would help us to understand that you're in a bubble when you come to college. 
you know, especially as an athlete, you have your days set for you, your practice time set for you, your even um, study hours set for you. Everything is kind of like set in place. But when you go into the real world, Jennifer is sad to say, but it's not the same thing. It's not like college where everything is all said and done, right? And so a lot of times he would tell us, I'm not really preparing you just for a championship. I'm preparing you for life. And um, I remember one time that I had um, got the schedule was just crazy. And um, I had gotten into a car accident. And I wanted to be there so bad because growing, being a part of that team was so amazing. It was an opportunity that no one in my family has ever had. So for me to be a UCon Division One. UConn athlete, that alone is something that's unheard of in my family because they didn't go to college. And um, so I wanted every opportunity to show him that I was not going to let him down because he had given me an opportunity that's something that no one is, uh, no one else has ever had. And um, I remember getting to practice and I was doing practice and it was completely the worst practice ever. I mean, I was just not on my A game because I was thinking about how I got into a car accident. The girls, you know, my car's hurt and the girls hurt and all these different things. And um, he said to me, he sat me down. He's like, Anderson, which was my maiden name at the time. He was like, Anderson, what is wrong with you? I was like, what? I'm here. Like, I'm here for you. I'm here to show up. I'm here to do what I need to do. And he sat me down and he said, if you don't take care of yourself first, that reminds me that it's so important to have individuals in your life that not only just see the potential of where you can go, but also is willing to cultivate where you are so you can actually get there. Right. Okay, so he said you must take care of yourself first and in order to really just reiterate. Be take care of others. And yeah. Take care of others. I yeah. love that because it's kind of like running around with, you know, one arm tied behind your back or two arms tied behind your back if you haven't taken those moments to really nurture you person. What sound yeah. advice? So, I'll keep them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Clive. Clive Terry, thank you so much for <laughs> your words of wisdom to this beautiful woman here. Okay, so how, how did these words then carry you, taking care of yourself first, how did that carry you into the next phases of your life beyond college? Well, I mean, with him um, taking care of yourself, I mean, a lot of times we think that being a motivational speaker is um, – is just someone who just gets up on the stage and just talk and, you know, just kind of say whatever they want to say and just, you know, but, you know, it has allowed me to understand uh, that taking care of yourself first is so necessary in everything that you do. Self-care is something that we don't talk about often enough. We are so busy pursuing life, dreams, opportunity, marriages, everything that we forget that if we don't take care of ourselves, we are not even going to be there to enjoy all of that. Right. I and agree. So, Yes, even if we're not there, like if we're able to be there physically and we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not going to be there mentally, emotionally to really enjoy those experiences. Exactly. So I love that. Take I always said there's a difference between being present and being present. You can physically be there and be present, but mentally not be there and being present. And so when I talk to my athletes and um, when I travel to different universities and different schools and talk to my athletes, I talk about the importance of being present and present. Because there's no way that you can be able to become all that you're supposed to be if you're not there at every moment, mentally, heart, everything in it, so that you can gain everything that's necessary to go to the next level. Because oftentimes we can go from level to level. Yes, that's great. Promotion is awesome. But promotion is not going to be as good as it's supposed to be when you get to the next level and you have no idea what you're supposed to do because you missed the last lesson because you wasn't paying attention. You wasn't there. Yeah, it's kind of like, you just like sparked my mind a few times that I've driven places. And I think if you're listening today, you probably have had this experience where oh yeah, driving and you get there and you're like, how did I, how did I get here? Right? <laughs> like I'm present, but I was not present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, again, sound advice, getting to, I love that, like the promotion, getting to the next level when you haven't been present, isn't as yeah. wonderful or as full and rich as it could be if you haven't understood what's underneath that to got you there, to got you there. Yeah. <laughs> to have and so it, it's, it's awesome because even as a motivational speaker, I get the opportunity to be present and present. So when I'm present as a motivational speaker, because he's taught me the importance of self-care, of taking care of everything that's necessary. So when I get there, I'm available to you and only you, right? That means I can oh, I read the crowd. Can read what I can. I can read what the atmosphere is like because you can't show up to 
often do self-care in advance. Do whatever meditation that's necessary. Get your mind cleared. Handle your family business so that you can be present for the person that you're going to speak to because you're supposed to be a carrier of goods, right? There's that Carter. The carrier of goods, someone who's carrying something that's going to be effective for the next person to be able to exchange. So you can't exchange something if you're not in a place where you have emptied everything that's necessary so you can be present for that person that's going to need you. Right. So I value self-care. I value being present and present. So as a motivational speaker, what are some of the things that you do to self-care before you take the stage? Um, so some of the things that I do is um, I love exercising. So that, that, that helps me a lot. Being pregnant, I probably don't exercise as much because <laughs> we're not trying to go into early labor, right? <laughs> but a lot of things that I do is meditation. You know, um, a lot of times we say that meditation is emptying out everything that we have in our minds so we can have this amazing and uh you know, secluded area. But for me, uh, my husband has, who's a pastor in town where he's absolutely amazing with words. And so he's like one of my little coaches, right? Nobody knows, but he's like my little secret. Um, And so one of the things that he has taught me is to take meditation in the opposite direction. Challenge yourself that it's not just emptying everything out, but what happens if you're filling your minds with things that are positive, filling your minds with things that are amazing. So even though you're emptying your mind of the negativity, but what are you filling it with? Right. Are you leaving yourself open for just anything to pop in or are you purposely sitting and saying, I'm going to remove negativity and I am going to say, I am great. I am awesome. I'm amazing. You know, I can do incredible things. And so one of the things that I do for self-care is to remind myself that this is a journey and that I am in a place to help somebody and that I'm good at it. Oh, I love it. That I am good at it. I'm good at this. Yes. You know, you got the, and that, that helps for you to kind of um, remove all that anxiety that you possibly have when you hit the stage. And it, with that bubbling anxiety, you can miss the opportunity to be effective in the room and unable to read the room effectively because you're thinking about, am I doing it right? Am I not doing it? Just tell yourself you're good at this right. so that you can focus on the people. Right. I love that. And so when you step on the stage or in a, in a room full of, of uh, people that you're teaching or talking to, and you have this attitude of, I am good at this. Is your measure of success touching everybody in the room, or are you okay with, like, somebody in this room needs my message, and then I'm okay if it's just one? Like, how do you know okay. about that? I'm okay if it's just one. Oh, I'm okay if it's just one. I will show up for the one knowing that I will have the opportunity for you. Um, I would love, and our, I think everybody's goal as a speaker, whether you're a preacher, whether you're a speaker, whether you're a motivation speaker, um, is that when you walk in the room, that the message that you have is going to touch everybody. But oftentimes there are certain parts of your message that will touch everybody and they would not receive everything. And so you have to be comfortable with knowing that they're going to receive what's necessary for them. And if it's just the one person in the room, then you know that you have done your job. And so a lot of times um, I do um, a lot of prayer or meditation prior to going into an atmosphere so that I can kind of have an idea of what I'm walking into before I walk in there. So it's not like a huge surprise. And you could kind of feel what's necessary for the room. I love that you're saying that. And just that getting in touch, one, with yourself and with higher power, whatever, you know, someone wants to call that. Mm-hmm. And so that you can feel the vibe of the room. Like, that is the most amazing feeling, to be guided that way. Like, you have your presentation, but sometimes it, just that spirit or that flotation in places that you're like, well, I don't know where this is going, but obviously somebody... And I'm going with it. That's right. It's so cool. <laughs> well, and going back to, we're there sometimes just for the one, and sometimes that one is ourself. But yeah. you said those, you know, they're going to... Most people will get something out of your speech someone really yeah. in touch and I think it goes back to that present and present like how were they at yes. emotionally so very yes cool. so I know that you we're going to change change gears just a little bit here and kind of go a little bit into where you've got to where you're at today and some of the the more challenging obstacles that you had to face to that I know topics that you speak about and having your mind in the right places and so are you okay if we dive into the really... Let's uh, go. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's get into the good stuff. So let's talk about your, your twin miscarriage. Yes. 
Um, so back in 2017 of April, uh, my husband and I had a twin miscarriage. We had found out we were pregnant in January of 2017. We we're pretty excited. So let's just really quickly, today's date is the 17th of November, 2018. So mm -hmm. listening today, I want you to take note that this is only about a year and a half ago that yeah. this happened to Brandon and Cornita. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we found out we were pregnant in January of 2017, and we were pretty excited about it. I mean, who wouldn't be excited about having twins, right? I mean, just being excited about pregnancy in general, um, because you just know that the um, stigma that's that's behind it, or you know the the struggle that women go through just to have kids. So being in a place where you can even be able to experience that was just incredible. But when we, but when we found out that we were having twins, the price of two for one, <laughs> we were just like ecstatic. And uh, twin run in my husband's family, and uh, it runs in mine, but it's very far off. So we didn't really kind of think that that would happen to us. Um, but then 2017, April 2017 came. I was a little bit after my birth. Everything being absolutely amazing. Doctors couldn't find anything. The babies are growing so great. Everything is incredible. And then out of nowhere, I was at um, a patient home because I did home care nursing at the time. Okay. And, um, you know, I heard a pop and I'm like, that doesn't sound pretty good. Like, you know, I may not be a midwife, but I'm clear that that's not the sound you're supposed to hear at this time. And so um, I was about 30 minutes out from my home heard the actual pop. Oh I went to the bathroom. I heard the actual pop. And I was like, what? And so 30 minutes out, I'm calling my husband and I'm like, my mind is going crazy because I know what is happening. And, and there in the car, I was losing literally everything. So I was literally going into labor. My water just broke. I am like driving home and I am scared out of my mind because to me, I know that. So we drove and driving to the hospital and they told us that everything was going to be fine. They watched me for about uh, the whole um, night and uh, everything was okay. We thought it was going to be good. They sent us home on bed rest. We thought, okay, this is going to be awesome. And, um, you know, everything is going to be great. But then two days later, I went into complete labor again. And I went up and went to the hospital. And so it was a huge um, transition for us because we are individuals of faith. And so it challenged our faith in a lot of ways because uh, we did not believe that that would be happening to us at that particular time. And um, we end up, I end up actually going into labor and having the twins and uh, right at the hospital. And it was only three weeks from the time that they could actually do anything. And I think, Jennifer, if there's anything that I could have been angry about was that it was only three weeks more. Right. Because That's at 23 close. weeks, at 23 weeks is when they could intervene. Anything before that, they cannot intervene. And so when they sent me home on bed rest, I was kind of just hoping and believing and just praying that I would be able to at least make it to the third week, the 23 weeks. Um, but that just wasn't our story. And so we had to go through a period of time where we had to um, decide what we were going to do with this current situation. How were we going to allow it to affect us? Uh, being individuals of faith and being in the church and um, being a motivational speaker. And were we going to allow this to um, hinder our marriage? Were we going to not love on each other? anymore were we going to fault each other for something that we that the doctors couldn't find out what was happening and uh were we going to give up on our faith what, what were we going to do were we going to just put down our business card and say i am done with this i am just through and just part 28 and say that this is it but i think one of the great that go through this, um, a lot of times their marriages don't make it. A lot of times their uh, their marriages is affected. Um, it challenged my family because my family got closer. Um, it challenged me as a speaker because I got more uh, sensitive to certain things that I would never be sensitive before. And um, so it was a scary moment. I'm not going to sugarcoat it as if um, our faith just covered everything. I experienced the same thing that any person would experience, whether they believe in a higher power or don't believe in a higher power. I cried. You know, I was upset. I was angry. Um, I went through all those emotions um, because I think it's very important that when you mourn something, you mourn it so that you don't live on completely not being able to move forward. Oh, um, I, love believe I love that you're bringing that point out that you mourn, like you really yeah. let yourself go there so that yes. you could move all of that energy through you. All um, of that. The connection keeps cutting out and for those of you listening, we're going to do our best to make sure that we get a good edit on this. But 
I don't know if you said about how your connection with God was like it did. Were, were so it there? really it drove my connection with God closer. Okay. I had every in some ways you can say that you have every right to be upset. Um, I think we all have the right to share our emotions in whatever way that is, as long as it's not causing any havoc in anything else moving forward. Um, and so I was upset, but I had to understand that everything happens for a reason. And I'm a firm believer that no matter what we go through, everything happens for a reason. Right. And um, so I, de I decided that I was not going to blame God. I decided that I was going to trust him even the more. I decided that I'm going to continue my relationship with him, that I'm going to allow him to help me with the process. One of the things that I dared him to do, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I dared him to um, teach me what he wanted me to learn. I dared him to help me to understand what is it that I, I was supposed to gain out of this experience because I know that there's somebody that is coming after me, Jennifer, that is going to need to hear my story. That's going to need to know that I wasn't afraid to be able to experience it. My husband and I um, took moments where we talked about it. We went through the emotions. We missed their little feet when they were patterned in our stomach. We missed not being able to bring them home. We missed how much joy that they brought because it's very important that when you go through circumstance and you go through pain, that you experience the fullness of the pain so you can overcome it. I tell people all the time that if you're a weightlifter, how will you know if you're able to get bigger or stronger if you don't lift the whole entire? If some lifting the weight for you, right? If somebody's lifting the weight for you, then you cannot get as strong as you're supposed to be. However, if you embrace the weight of the um, the weights, or as an athlete, if you embrace the weights, then it will challenge your muscles to rip and your fibers to rip so that it can get bigger, right? And so that's what my husband and I did. We challenged ourselves to feel all of the pain, as excruciating as it felt, as hurtful as it felt, we made sure that we felt all of it. And that's the only way that I can say that a year later, we are expecting a child again. We've decided to love again. We decided to just let our marriage just grow and blossom through this because we decided together that we we're going to go through it together. I wasn't going to blame him. He wasn't going to blame me, but together we was going to do this. Well, and I love that whole, the whole concept of, um, you know, from scriptures is, yoking yourself together like you were experiencing the pain individually and mm -hmm. yoked together through your conversations yes experiencing it together so you weren't alone and you know all of the agony that can come from suffering alone but you had that together and not only were you yoked with each other but you yoked yourselves with god and yeah what a really cool thing yeah and, and i would imagine we have a, a lot of people listening today who can understand that and if you're listening today and you have experienced something like this, and you want somebody to talk to, I would imagine that Cornita would be willing to answer. I'm so available. And talk with <laughs> you, and we'll make sure that you know yes. how to get a hold of her. Yes. Cornita would be an, an excellent resource for you. I mean, granted, you could come and talk to me, and I could I could boost you up, but I haven't had that experience. Yeah. And I could be empathetic, but Cornita has lived it. And yeah. make sure that you know how to get a hold of her at the end of of our podcast and, and in our notes. Awesome. So, Cornita, a year and a half later, you've, you've gone through this. You're now, I know that one thing that you and I talked about was how you feel like this experience has molded and shaped you to be a parent now to Carter. Do you want to talk about some of those things? Yes. Talk about it because um, I will say growing up, um, because I came from a single family home, or I said a single parent home, because that's really the technical term, single parent home. Um, there was a lot of times that, you know, you didn't know kind of where the love was coming from and if it was given in the right direction, or you kind of expected more from, you know, your parents or in what ways that they were given it. You just felt like it wasn't enough because what you see on TV and what you see around you, uh, you kind of wanted that, right? The sitting down, the eating together, all of that. And uh, so I grew up loving my dad and loving my mom. And um, I felt like some, some of the times throughout the process, I kind of expected them to love me in a certain way. And 
going through that experience, my husband and I was sitting down and we we're talking one day and he was like, you can't expect people to love you out of their capacity. Um, you have to love them within their capacity because culture plays a huge role in how your parents love you. Their upbringing plays a huge role in how they love you. And so sometimes we're expecting them to love us out of what we see and not necessarily accepting their love based on where they're coming from. Oh, and um, That is so powerful right there. And if Oh my God, it changed my life. Let, if you're listening to this today, let's let's say that again. You have to allow people to love, to love them out of their capacity. Their capacity. Yes. Not what you think you need, but nope. what they have to give you. And a lot of times and we don't You'd be know what so that surprised. Is. Right? Yeah, you'd be so surprised that they're giving you a lot of love. Yes. They're giving you so much, but because you're so um, focused on what other people are getting and, and what it looks like or what our perception of what family or love looks like, we miss the opportunity to gain the love that is being given to us because I don't believe the families that we're born into is mistaken because everything happens for a reason. So there's something that's in your parents that's going to be useful for who you're going to become. And so I missed that opportunity by spending years of expecting my dad Dad to love me a certain way and to show up a certain way. And so that experience brought me to a place to realize that um, God is going to give you the love that is necessary. He's going to give you it in the way that you can receive it. And that's the way that's going to help you to grow into who you're going to be. So now that I have this son coming along and I have this child coming out, coming um, to us, it's not even a replacement because I've been through so much. I have gone through the healing process that Accepting this child is not me feeling like I'm replacing the last one, but it's a brand new, fresh love that I can just give. And I would tell people that there were times, I would definitely say there were very a lot of areas in my life that I was broken in before going through that experience. There's a lot of hurt that I was going through, a lot of issues that I had. And so being on the other end of this, I'm like, this baby is going to get a whole cornita. They're not going to get a broken Cornita or a half a Cornita. They're not going to get a person who is expecting them to love them a certain way or expect them to replace the last kid. That like, but you're going to get mommy. You're going to get all of me, this new, fresh, you know, new lens looking through. Like, I'm just excited to be a mom. I'm just, I'm just excited to love how they're going to need to be loved. I love that. So if I just heard you correctly, you you're telling us that the loss of your twins helped you go in and better out the dark places that were still unhealed, maybe hidden away, and that you've been able to go in and, and search out those dark rooms and clean yes. them out, dust out the cobwebs, and now yes. you are going to be a more whole parent, healed, healthy, ready to take on parent. Definitely. Oh, Definitely. Okay. And it's amazing because you don't know. Um, I always say that opposition reveals opportunities. Because it's the things that we come up against, it's the adversities that we come up against. We don't realize what they're really here to teach us. And it's when we come up against those oppo oppositions, it's when it reveals the opportunities that there's actually before us, the things that we're capable of doing, the things that, the relationships that we're capable of having, the, the, the areas that we're able to go in and fix. And so I didn't even realize that was even a broken part of my life until I got to that place where I was hurting so much that I was like, you know what, I'm going to feel it all. I'm just going to feel it all. Like whatever it is, we're just going to go through this. And um, it was just so many different things that was coming out that I'm like, wow, my mentality in that area stinks. Oh my God. The way I look at that situation, horrible. The way I'm expecting this person to love me, I need to change that. Right. And so I challenge myself to, um, to whatever it is, whatever potential that was in me, I challenged myself that in that, in that moment, I was going to allow that opposition to reveal all the opportunities that were before me so that I could be able to live the life that I wanted to live. Oh my gosh, I love it. And don't you, don't you feel like it's amazing that some of these things stay, for lack of a better word, they stay hidden. Yes. And an experience comes along that we're emotionally or uh, spiritually mature enough or strong enough to be able to then go in and heal that thing. And then it's like, whoa, where did that come from? But, oh, my gosh, I get to look at this thing and yeah. get yourself raised to this new level. And oh, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. It's like looking in the mirror and looking at a brand new person. Right. And it's and not it's always lovely. easy. It's not always easy. Oh, no. But, man, that oh, no. result is like, whoop, whoop. It is. 
It is, I mean, it was a year of um, challenging ourselves. And I, and I will tell you, because a lot of people will say, well, do you not look back and regret this? Do you not look back and regret that? There are moments that those thoughts will rise, sure. but you have a choice every single day to determine how your thoughts will affect your day. Um, when you are healed of something, it's not necessary that you won't remember it. The scar is always going to be there. When you are healed, when you have a cut and there's a wound and it heals over, there's a scar to remind you what you've been through. But the scar also lets you know that it's, it's already been covered, that everything's been handled, that everything's been taken care of. So even though that thought can come because it comes at times, you can remind yourself you've been through that. You overcame that. You're moving forward in that. You don't have to live there. You don't have to stay in your brokenness. You don't have to stay in your hurt. You don't have to sit there and just eat ice cream all day. No, you gave you gave it your all when you were broken, and now you're going to give it your all now that you're healed. I love it. I love that you just said that because I have a, a new scar on my forearm from <laughs> a, a kayaking incident this summer. Oh, my wife. goodness. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was one of those moments. It didn't last probably more than you know three or five minutes but mm -hmm. those three or five minutes were really intense and you know we we're up against bushes and the water was rushing and she's afraid of water and i had to try to keep her calm and just the whole experience i looked mm -hmm. at that scar and it all flashed back i didn't have the emotion anymore and, and the scared mm -hmm. and nervous but i i looked at that and that flashback and i'm like wow the things that we've learned from that just from looking at that scar thing is when we are so hurt we hold on to that emotion because it becomes our story that's all we have and i am a firm believer in taking your story and turning that bad boy into wealth or taking your story and allowing it to propel you into where you're supposed to be but a lot of us have been hurt so many times a lot of us have gone through so many things that all we have is the story of hurt we don't have the story of healing we don't have because honestly it hurts to take the journey of healing. Absolutely it does. It hurts because you would, that would mean that you would have to put yourself in a place to say, I don't know it all. I don't know what to do. I know that I need help. You'd have to come to those conclusions. And we as humans, we don't want to do that. We believe that we're superhumans and supermen and we can do it all by ourselves. But reality is it hurts to take the journey of healing. Right. And but it's worth it. And that's the, I love it, it's worth it. Kind of the premise of living courageously exposed is being mm -hmm. willing to go to those places and say, I'm willing to be all in and I'm willing to heal even if it hurts and I'm willing even to share my story so that other people can start gathering the courage to do the same thing. I love it. Definitely. Oh my gosh, I totally want to keep talking to you. I know that you have another engagement here in a little bit. I would love, love, love to do another interview with you after we have Carter here yes! and, and kind of touch base and, and see how you and Brandon are doing and, and how Carter, you know, how he's adjusting to the world and, and just kind of a little check-in with you at that point. Would Definitely. Okay? I would love that. I would love that. Awesome. So before we go, I would like to hear just like five points that you live by that you would like to share with other people. Five points that I live by. Oh my God. That is like I have so many different right. points. I know, I'm like, ah, only choose five. Okay, one of the points that I live by is uh, what you rehearse in your head is what you react to, right? So a man think it, so is he. What you think in your head, what you constantly rehearse over and over, that inner conversation that you have every day, we will be able to see that display, that outer display of that, um, and the ways that we act to each other, react to each other, the way that we um, talk about ourselves, the way that we pursue life or pursue anything, is that it starts with that inner conversation. So that's one of the things that I definitely live by is making sure that when I'm speaking to myself, I'm speaking affirmation to myself, so that I can react in a positive way to other people. So powerful. All right, point number two. Point number two, my goodness. Um, point number two that I live by is being the best B that you can be. Oh, I being love it. Being the best me that you can be. I am a firm believer that we don't need copycats. Everybody is unique. Everybody that's on this earth was supposed to be here for a purpose. And I believe that the potential that you have in you to be great is needed. And I, so I don't believe in being, I, I, I love role models. I love role models, but I don't believe in copying you. I don't believe in trying to be like you because what I have to offer at the table is absolutely incredible. I love it. Well, and one thing that 
uh, to that point is, you know, you and I could take a stage and we could say the exact same words. Mm -hmm. Because of our different personality makeups and our different experience, people are going to hear those words differently and be drawn to one or the other. And I love that because I can't be you. No. And, and vice versa. And so thank you for bringing that out. Be the best me that you can be. Yes. Woo! Love it. All right. Moving on to number three. Number two, being true to yourself. It kind of goes on being the best me that you can be, but being true to yourself, being true to your identity, your purpose, um, being true to who you've been called to be, uh, stay in your lane type thing. Um, the important knowing your lane. Uh, authenticity is so important. Yes, it is. I agree. I love that. Stay in your lane. <laughs> that, yeah. that would be the, the, the athlete in her coming out. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about number four? Number four is... Don't get comfortable with life. Tell us about that one just a little bit. So um, recently I was listening to this uh, absolutely incredible um, speaker and um, and they were touching on a few things and it just reminded me that a lot of times we forget to put in the work because we get comfortable with where we are. And so we expect success to just kind of pop up or drop in our lap or, but reality is you have to work at success. You have to work to get there. So if you, you can't become comfortable where you are, you always want to want more. You always want to strive for better. And I'm not saying that you can't enjoy where you are, but you should not be just satisfied with mediocre. If you know that there's more to your life, so don't get comfortable. I love it. Don't get comfortable. That's what I tell people. Learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. All right. Our last nugget of information. Our last nugget is just because it's hard doesn't mean you should do it. Shouldn't do it. Just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I love it. Um, I <laughs> that one is one that I I could live by. Um, yeah. You know, there's been a lot of things that I I want to shy away from, and I look at it and I'm like, no, no, it's because it is hard that I need to step into it because that means something great is coming from it. But the process of healing is hard. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I agree. Totally. Yeah. Agree. Oh my gosh, Cornita. Again, I totally look forward to doing this again. Um, I want to honor your time because I know you have another commitment. Yes. For sharing. You Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. So tell us, how can someone get a hold of you? So there are several different ways that you can get a hold of me. You can definitely go on our website at www.cornitaspeaks.com. Um, you could ask any question. You could send us an email at we speak life into you, all one word, at gmail.com. Um, there will definitely be somebody that will be able to uh, answer you there. You can contact me on any social media. I, we are on Speak Life um, LLC on IG and Speak Life Foundation LLC on Facebook. Um, and any of those places, you can definitely get in touch with us. And we'll love to hear from you, uh, even if it's just for advice, even just for mentoring, even if it's just to book us to come in and speak, whatever it is, we are available. I love it. So... If you're listening, again, we'll put, I'll make sure that all of these ways to contact Cornita are in the notes. So yes. So have easy access to her. Again, Cornita, thank you so much for sharing thank you. with us. Uh, we'll recap your five points. And uh, again, our, just that last tidbit, that's what we're going to end with is just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Yes. And that's what I want to leave with our folks today. It's just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Jump into healing, jump into life get out there and reach for the very best that you have within you. Yes. And if you have liked any part of our podcast today, I invite you to share it with at least two people, just two. Imagine the lives that could change by hearing the words that Cornita shared with us today. And if you really like us, we would invite you to donate and share to our podcast. You can do that from the page so that we can continue to bring you amazing content like you've heard today. And we're going to leave it with this like we always do. You've got to believe in yourself or no one else can. We'll be great.